Havoc and Chaos, a podcast for everything dog. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. Three, two, one, we're live. Welcome to Havoc and Chaos podcast. The first podcast of 2024. Uh, we're going to jump straight in, I think. Yeah. yeah. How was, your, how was your Christmas break? It was nice. We uh, we had a nice Christmas. Obviously, we got roped into trying to get the uh, the final 2023 wrap-up finished in the middle of it all. But, yeah, it's been really good for the dogs. I've got a confession to make. Go on. Did I tell you that my dog ate a mince pie? <gasps> yeah. You so... Every... Was this not the same conversation last year? Yeah. When... Mine, mine didn't see a mince pie last year. Do you remember when Roxy ate 12 mince pies? Yeah. Yeah, um, Naomi got a mince pie, put some cream on it in a little bowl, put it on the side while she put Dennis away. And on his way, Dennis can levitate, and on his way from one end of the kitchen to the crate to be put away safe, he just levitated up onto the worktop, ate it, and ran to his crate, and it necessitated a £200 bill at the vet's <laughs> to make him throw it up. Have you, cons- have you considered teaching him not to counter-surf? No, I don't want to. You want him to do that? I want him to be everywhere, don't I? If he wants to go play and have a sniff, I want him to go there and a sniff. I want him to go, mmm, shanta, shanta, mmm. That's a joy as well in a working spaniel bomb detection dog, I guess. I'm trying to think if mine did anything this... this. Uh... So yeah, we had emergency vets. Lovely fella, lovely fella, really nice. Ever so pleased to see us. I'm not surprised. The 150 quid call out fee. I'd be pleased to see plenty of people as well. Just to make him vomit. Um, I can't. I can't grumble because stupid vets. But yeah, and then he vomited it up and tried to eat it straight away. Like <laughs> we've only come to make you throw that up, you arse. Did you give him a treat after? For being he, we gave him. He had a, a big fee when he gets home because apparently the um, it helps settle the stomach when they get back. So yeah. they vomit everything up and then. Give him a minute. And, and then give him another mince pie a, just to settle this. Yeah, yeah, give him another mince pie and a, a sherry. So, yeah, we were that bad dog owner. It's so easily done. It, it's just, like, the easiest thing in the world for it to happen. We literally went, oh, let's get some food. And then, like, we'll pop Dennis back in his crate so he's, he's safe and out of the way. Oh, you little bugger. <laughs> and that was it. You know what speed spaniels work at. It was I'm so our good, fault yeah. and, you know. You idiot. He was all right. So that's what counts. I mean, the fact he's still alive, he's still alive and kicking, he's yeah. having a good time. I, mine, mine didn't do anything like that this year. Um, it's, it's, that's good. It was brilliant. That's, that's good, isn't it? Yeah, I made My two word. two Christmas dinners. Uh, so I had a big Christmas dinner with some family on one of the days and a big Christmas dinner on Christmas Day. And uh, there was, like, ham and turkey yeah. and everything all out on the table. We were walking it out. Nobody <coughs> nobody nicked anything. Last year, Roxy took a whole wheel of cheese off the cheese board. I remember that, yeah. Every, yeah. Uh... Didn't touch the cheese board this year. They were great. They did really, really well. Um, yeah. Nothing to report, because I've uh, learned from my mistakes. Yeah. <laughs> we clearly haven't, yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I was a bit disappointed. But, yeah, we had a nice, steady uh, New Year and nice... Like, uh, to be fair, there weren't many fireworks around our way either. It wasn't that fireworky. Don't know why. But a few at midnight and that was it. it wasn't too bad. So. We uh, we were blasting out um, metal. Hmm. So there's a band called Not Loose. Never heard of them. Uh, I'll show you later. Um, Google them for anyone who's listening. Not Loose. Knocked Loose. Knocked Loose. Yeah. And there's a song. I think it's called All My Friends Are Dead. And it basically is it's quite loud and screamy american metalcore band yeah excellent <laughs> so we basically had that on from about quarter to midnight until about 20 
20 past half past midnight. Uh, blasted that out. And also Roxy was uh, on a triple dose of her anti-anxiety meds. And she, she didn't sleep through it. She was just having a Relaxed. great time. She was That's so good. chill. She was playing. She was absolutely... She didn't... I don't think we even really heard any fireworks. But obviously, if there were any, she would have heard them. I think there was a moment where she kind of went... Little ears went yeah. up and then she was relaxed. Just takes yeah, the edge off, doesn't it? Much, much better <laughs> New Year's than, yeah. than I've had in ages. So really pleased. Yeah, that's good, yeah so it? that was that's good. Yeah. Yeah, um, like I said that's pretty much all. We've had a few nice, uh, few nice dog walks in the new year because I'm not working at the moment. I've not got very much work in January, so it's been quite chilled. Is that a theme? Not much work in January. Yeah, I think so. There's not a lot on him anywhere. So for it'll hot for pet dog work. I normally January is really busy. Mm. Because everyone's just had to spend two weeks with their dogs. Yeah, realise that they're assholes. <laughs> um, yeah, and, uh, bloody dog. And they've they've been maybe put in situations that they've not practiced or not trained for. So things yeah. like lots of family round, um, lots of stressful situations. Seeing more dogs on walks because obviously everybody walks yeah. when they're off yeah. off work. So a lot more dogs in the daytime. Um, Christmas puppies as well. Lots of Christmas puppies, yeah. all that sort of stuff. So yeah, normally in the pet in the pet world, mm. January's quite busy. But I guess in the working. Yeah, I, when looking at the venues that I work, there's not very much on. Well, what, who's going to anything long. in January? Yeah, that's it. There's wrapped up. Up at Christmas, yeah. quite busy. There's concerts and things. We did Elf up in uh, Newcastle. Elf the musical. Who was Who was on stage? Did you see anyone famous? No. Oh. No, I didn't. I didn't get to watch any of it. To be fair. Oh, were you not? Um, were you bothered? No, no. But yeah, it was entertaining. Um, quite a few people enjoyed it. Had a good time. But Do you yeah, know, it's... it's like controversial opinion. I think pantomimes is the worst part of of the Christmas break. I'd have been happier judging by what I did see of Elf, and probably in a few times if it had been more of a pantomime. I think pantomimes. I think pantomimes have an innocence all their own. They just get on the pantomimey stuff. And I think when you try to Christmasify some other things, it don't work that well. I I am I'm not a pantomime lover. Yeah, no, I think panthers have the place, but I think the the I don't know they capture a certain something. I think sometimes Christmassy plays and musicals maybe don't. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I disagree. But well, anyway, yeah. So yeah, quiet month. So uh, we've had some nice walks and. Enjoyed, obviously, a lovely Christmassy, wintry weather that we've not had, just mud. Um, but, yeah, been good. If you have a solution to the constant tsunami of mud <laughs> that's, that's currently uh, yeah. that's currently my entire life... It's horrible, isn't it? You have you got a solution? No, you can't go outside without getting filthy. I, because because yeah, I don't those things look a... like a sex toy that you put your dog's foot into and it's supposed to wash them off. But have you seen those? <laughs> Absolutely no idea what you're it's, talking it's like, about. It's like a large, you know, like. What? Well, how is that a sex toy? You know, like a travel mug. Like it's like a travel mug with bristles, like rubber bristles on the inside. Um, and I don't understand how dog, that would put work. You put water it? and and rub it up and down your dog's foot. Oh no! It's supposed to. Ian's making hand move. Just. <laughs> <laughs> it's supposed to wash all the mud off your dog's feet. I've never tried one, so it might be really good. But every time I see one, I as a sex toy or a dog washing. No, it's a dog washing toy. <laughs> And every time I see one, I look at it and go, that's so wrong. <laughs> oh, um, no. No, I haven't seen that. Well, yeah. Um, I've heard of the Mud Daddy. Good. Have you heard of the Mud Daddy? Yeah. That also sounds like a sex so I think the Mud Daddy's a bit of a rip-off. Because you know what you can do? You can just go straight down to Alfred's or any of these sort of auto spares places and get a pump-up sprayer or a garden centre and get a pump-up sprayer. 
and, and it's effective. But it doesn't have a but it doesn't have a, a paw print. It doesn't have a paw print on the side, does it? You could get you could get to Alpha's, get one, or at the garden centre, and then you could get to one of these decor manufacturers and get to a, a self adhesive paw print sticking on the side, and they're literally like a pump up sprayer that holds three liters of water, five liters, or whatever. They're probably like under a tenner. Are they? Yeah, they're really cheap. I've got one. I used to use it in the van. Cheap as chip. But also the mud daddy keeps. Not that I'm sponsored by them. The, <laughs> the, the mud daddy keeps the water warm. Like, I'm not sure it keeps it warm. You can buy an extra spare like enclosure to go around it, like, a, like a sort of yeah, like a hoodie for it. But yeah, I do look at a thing. You've marketed that so well, though. Yeah, I think they have because I'm considering buying one just yeah. to save. Well, trial one somewhere. If you can find somebody who's got one, try it, and then pop to your garden centre and go. Have you got a, a plant oh. sprayer? That's uh, yeah, because mine had hose fittings on the end and everything. Oh. So you could put like different ends on stuff. This isn't the direction I was expecting us to go in. But no, it, it wasn't really. I'm going what we're to be. I'm going today. to be in queue tomorrow now. Yeah, well, look, I'm squinting. They're really good. You just pump them up like you do. Don't I'm you? just. I'm sick of it, honestly, because I don't have a porch. Yeah. Like an entranceway. <laughs> yeah. You immediately walk into the living room, and so the living room is. It used to be green, and it's now brown. Yeah. Um, we're the same. We've we've got we, our garden out to garden sort of lounges, you know. Yeah, it's just a thoroughfare of dirty, muddy dogs, and you can't keep them clean this time of year. It is foul. Mops getting overused. Um, <laughs> yeah, we better when we get to Wales because we'll run the kennels and it'll be all good. But, so, what is the theme of today? First well, one of twenty twenty four. What do we want to talk about? So, having discussed as we did about people getting new dogs, new year, new me, and all that kind of jazz and. Christmas puppies that you shouldn't be buying. So we thought today we'd talk about finding a trainer. Well, not necessarily finding a trainer, but or finding a good class. Finding a good class or yeah. a trainer, something that suits you. How to yeah. how to pick maybe green flags and red flags. Yeah. How to spot a wrong'un. A wrong'un. A wrong'un. Yeah. So how would if you had a new dog and you wanted to find a, a training class to take him to, what's the first thing you'd be looking for? What would the first bit of advice? Well, firstly. What I did want to start doing a bit of bit of research for for today's recording. Have a look online because, as we mentioned last week, we're in the, this golden age of information. So bloody use it. Looked on the RSPCA, looked at pets at home, looked on the APDT, uh, looked on PDSA, looked on Dogs Trust, and they all give you some really good advice on how to find. Is it a all the same? Kind Is it of all the same advice? Yeah, pretty yeah. much. Pretty much. So whoever you go to, things like looking for are they reward based. Um, are they a member of one of the big groups like APDT or ABTC? Look them up. Uh, you can find them online, and they're basically bodies that you know you can join as a trainer. Um, but you've got to be mindful because some bodies that you can join as a trainer, you just pay to be a member, don't you? And so yeah, you I, believe there's always... quite, I believe there's quite a few. <laughs> yeah, you can't always be sure that. That they're legit, but like RSPCA suggests, looking if you're, if they're, the trainers are member of one of these boards, um, are they? What kind of training methods do they use? Um, so in terms of training, of... yeah, in terms of training methods, what type type of methods they use? If you do sort of contact a trainer and you want to decide if they're the right fit for you, you really need to decide on what you are. Uh, comfortable with yeah what your ethics are what are your ethics before mm. you start um looking for for a trainer but also figure out because you might not know necessarily why you feel the way that you do mm. i think there's a lot of uh, historical 
understanding, not understanding, historical assumptions about how to train dogs and like then you need to be the boss uh, they need a firm hand this there is a lot of that this particular breed the people who innocently still believe because they've never had any better information off to them and their yeah. granddad's dog were really well behaved and he got a whack around its rear end and a roll up newspaper when it misbehaved and yeah you know but it's a different world now. You We've sort of hit the nail on the head a bit when you said, are they rewards-based? Mm. If you if you ask your trainer, you know, what methods do you use in class? I think a major red flag is if that person says that they don't use um, treats or rewards in class. Yeah. Because how else are you, what else are you doing? Yeah, we all work for treats and rewards. I know I do. I, I don't go down to London and work my Explode dog. For free? For free. Um, or because if you don't, someone will pummel you. Yeah, someone will <laughs> put a spiky collar on my neck and give me a yank. Um, yeah. We work for rewards, and it's fairly well proven and scientifically agreed on that dogs work well for rewards. Mm. Um, I think the other thing we've got to be mindful of as well is that if we bugger up reward-based training, it's not an awful lot of fallout, to be fair. You might reward something inadvertently, but it's not in the world. If you bugger up some kind of punitive training, it's quite bad. Your, your fallout can be quite grim, including relationship with your dog. Mm. So I think for a beginner looking for a class for little Bobby, their new puppy that they got at Christmas, and then they went, oh, my God, what do we do with it? Because it's like eating a carpet and biting the kids. I think some kind of reward-based training, A, is probably the safest way to go, the easiest way to go, the less likely to have any fallout way to go. Um, and obviously, in our eyes, a damn good way to go because it's what we do, isn't it? So you've sort of led me into my next question by saying, what do I do with this dog? Is he in the carpet? In terms of picking <clears throat> class. When you contact your trainer and ask about classes, so puppy classes or adult classes, if you've got a rescue adult, or maybe you've got an adult that you've done classes with before, but you just want to pursue something just for fun to do together, is that rather than just immediately enroll you and go, yes, give me your money, you're in the class, is real you should yeah, that trainer should be questioning you about what your training goals are. Yeah, good are. point. Yeah. It, are you booking your dog onto classes and in inverted commas? Yeah. Because you're having a massive issue with it. In which case you probably don't need classes, you probably need some one to one training. If your dog is so I mean I'm And we've speaking, seen that, yeah, let's face it. I've got I've got we've a perfect that. example of someone <laughs> that I uh of of not turned away from classes, but said, you're more than welcome to come to class, but I think you're wasting your time mm. and we can do this instead and go one-to-one -one yeah. instead, is because her dog's fine outside, fine with dogs, fine in every aspect, but the only problem they're having is that the dog jumps up at visitors yeah. when they come to the house. Which a, a basic training class is not going to fix, is it? Well, I said, you know, we're, we're not, we're not <laughs> going to cover that. Mm -hmm. We'll cover how to greet people or walk yeah. past strangers and but that's not the problem it's when people come yeah. to the house if your dog's a hardened jumper you're not going to fix that in a training class yeah. you just need a bit of advice at home and for the sake of advance. for the sake of a six-week course i know one-to-ones are and this is again when you think about value for money one-to-ones are more expensive than a class in terms of how many hours you get but they're so much more valuable if you if yeah. you've if you've got one specific goal so if that if you sort of message your your training school that you found or your dog trainer your local dog trainer that you've discovered and you go oh they run a class for dogs my age my dog's age perfect and you message them and say i want to enroll my dog in class and that person immediately goes perfect give me your money you're enrolled yeah. without first saying what are you yeah. doing what do you want to where are you this? at with your dog in your dog journey yeah 
And then when the, the story comes out and they're talking about your dog, about you, yeah. and you go, well, he's, he's, he's all right, he's, he's good, he sits and he downs, but he jumps up. At that point, go, well, dog this, trainer, yeah. go, listen, mate, you, what you really need is a little bit of special treatment on that, that jumping up. You know, that can come around and look at your house. Because sometimes even people's house layouts, it, it, it affects the way the, the that can probably That like can it. probably be, not fixed, but that can probably be uh, put a training plan together in an hour session mm. rather than a six-week course. And at the end of it, they go, how do I fix Still this? Still having not got there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which, which, again, so I think if before you decide on what class you want, figure out what it is you're trying to achieve and then ask the trainer what's covered in class. Do you think puppy classes are worth going to? Puppy classes? Or training classes generally. Well, so another... You know, you've got a puppy or yeah. you've got a young dog or you've got a rescue dog. Shall I bother? Shall I not bother? The question is, should I go Shall to I class? Yeah. yeah. I Again, I think a really a real green flag Sam can't trainers. say no at this point because she's a trainer. No, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say, I'm going to give an answer. I'm going to give an answer that feels like I'm sitting on the fence, but actually it's a, I think it's a green flag in trainers. My answer is it depends. And I think if there are huge benefits to classes for certain dogs and for other dogs, I think classes are maybe the worst thing you could do. And I think if you've got a dog that is either fear based reactive aggressive it's maybe it's a, a street dog that you've rescued uh, that's really nervous and won't come out of its bed all those sorts of things i don't think classes are necessarily the right answer because you're potentially making things worse so when we talk about desensitization it's really really easy to actually do something called sensitization yeah where you expose them too far and so that's uh, you see it a lot in classes where you've got dogs there that um shouldn't be there and they've arrived to learn obedience but the dog already knows the obedience when they're at home alone mm. and they're not disobedient they're reactive and so you're trying to get this dog to sit and lay down and do stays and it's really nervous and the only reason it's not doing those things is because there's dogs around. I don't think class is the right answer there unless that class is specifically for that problem. Yeah. So, for example, a reactivity class. Yes, yeah, so it's barriers and barricades and... And the focus is we're going to get we're gonna yeah. help your dog feel comfortable, but the focus is not the obedience. If you're going to be teaching an obedience class, which is my favourite thing, those dogs shouldn't have external no. behaviour problems. And if they do, then they may be not suitable yeah. for that class unless... So again, unless, it's always it depends. <laughs> I'm thinking of another example. I've got a, a lady hopefully um, starting my tricks class soon. We've just done a one-to-one -one package for reactivity. Yeah. And I'm confident that she's at a stage now with her dog's reactivity that she'll fit in really well in trick class. Mm. Sometimes you do, when you've got a, a specific class like that, you've got that person's maybe gone through a few classes or had a few one-to-ones, they kind of like, yeah, I'm getting on top of this reactivity. Mm -hmm. I'm getting on top of this nerves or fear. But bloody hell, I want to do something fun. Yeah. I'm, I'm sick. I only just concentrate on that. And I think sometimes if a class can be catered yeah. for that that dog, you know, if some, some screens can be put up and a dog can have some downtime or you can sit in the car in between turns or whatever, it's good because it means that the owner gets more out of the life as well with their dog. Rather it's than not just always about just focusing on the yeah. terrible problem that they've got. Yeah, yeah I think it's, it is good that. A couple of other things that cropped up in my little um, my little search for things. There was um, training methods we've talked about. Mm. Uh, are they reward-based and so on? Class sizes. So what is the optimum class size, do you reckon? Yeah, six to one, eight to one seems to be good with puppies, doesn't it? I like a lot of puppies, but 
because of the socialization aspect. Mm. But the, yeah, I agree. I don't think any more than eight is appropriate. Yeah. No, not, not because the, necessarily the dogs can't do it, but I think more than eight for a trainer to run the whole class in is you're not getting tailored information. Yeah, your trainer's just it's a very, it's a very generic class mm. that, that they deliver a million times rather than just a class that's sort of generic, but I can specify it to you because you need a bit more help doing that and you need a bit more help doing And you that. want the time as well, so you can... Yeah. So if your trainer can set off an exercise and spot that someone's having difficulty, yeah. do they have time to spend five minutes with that person? Yeah, you need to. And a lot of places use, um, use like, um, volunteer trainers, don't they? Yeah. That seems to be quite popular in dog world, but quite how... What, what the level of quality is you get from your volunteer? I don't know, because presumably if they... Volunteers, I have, I, I have they, seen. Um, in a class on their own, and, and they give it. Yeah, I, I have, I have seen volunteers or overheard volunteers in the past giving, inf- giving advice that is the exact opposite of, of yeah. what the trainers giving, yeah. and, and sort of thought, oh no. Um, I think volunteers to supervise that the, you're doing the bit of training right that you're doing, sort of funnel the trainer into. You know, come and have a chat, this lady. That's a, that's a vol- that's a quality of your volunteer yeah. situation, though. I don't and think how you there's treat any problem. As well, how you bring them, yeah. bring them on. Yeah. I don't think there's a problem with volunteers yeah. inherently. In fact, if you've got volunteers, it also I think is a nice indicator of how um, good you are to work with. Yeah, probably because people are happy to come and do a bit of freebie work with you and learn a bit more from you, and and yeah. yeah. So I don't think volunteers is a red flag at all. I think just environment in- loud, noisy, shouty, mm. clean, dirty. So much to choose there, isn't there? Do you think indoor classes or outdoor classes are better? I like indoor classes because you don't get wet when it rains. <laughs> Is that the only reason? Yeah. I, I think outdoor classes are they're good, they have a place, but I think it's tougher because you, perhaps people can't hear. But you can have the same with echoey indoor classes, can't you? I think if you're a trainer, you've got to be quite quite careful that you're either not spread out in a big field and shouting and no one can hear you. Or you're not in an indoor um, venue where there's a really bad echo and it's like really echoey, noisy building and dogs yapping and people that they get a balance of people being able to hear is quite tough, I think. Yeah, I think there's there's pros and cons to both. Don't take much for someone who's at, maybe at the back of the class and the dog is a bit of a knob to just feel really pushed out and like oh, I'm not bothered. I'm not. I'm not going next week. Does what in, in indoor or outdoor? Either, in either. I tell you what my worry is with indoor uh, is um, when the indoor classes are in venues that the floors aren't suitable. Mm. So slippy floors. Yeah, like a not a specific venue or they don't put a specific flooring down. It's just a generic church hall that might have a polished dance floor kind of. And so the dogs are kind of sliding yeah. around a little bit. Especially with pups as well. Yeah. Which is- Bit worrisome. There are some lovely venues you can get that have either rubber floors or astroturf, mm. or like certain like agility places will have like purpose built yeah. um, flooring, which is good because obviously grasses. The benefit of being outdoors is that the grass is appropriate yeah. to to be running and, and jumping about. So the other benefit of outdoors is if your dog has a little wee. <laughs> but that doesn't nothing more embarrassing than you being in the middle of puppy <laughs> class and your dog having a little wee or a little poo. So and everybody else's dog's not so far. They not oh no, I'm the only one. <laughs> What's more embarrassing is when your dog is seven years old and toilet trained, and you go to the Ogilvy 
uh, agility. Did you get fined? I did get a fine. The, a £10 fine. I read the thing the other day when I was looking at the, uh, the, it is, the courses. It's a £10 fine. It is, um, yeah. I think it is. I think it's quite funny. Yeah, it's embarrassing. The reason, well, not necessarily the reason. I think the reason it happened is because their whole venue is astroturfed. Yeah, so it's got to be washed on it. And so it's properly what got it to be properly washed. Yeah. But I'd recently moved here, and the and my new garden is your garden's astroturfed. astroturfed. You hate astroturf, but you've got astroturf. Yeah. Yeah, but it was yeah. here when I moved in. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so yeah. I took my seven-year-old, perfectly toilet-trained uh, <laughs> lurcher to there, and and she and to be fair, we've been we've been a couple of times. It was maybe the third or fourth time we've been down, and so at that point, I obviously the very first time you go, you're like on it, you're watching yeah, yeah. like hawks. But by the, like the fourth time, I was thinking, well, Roxy's not going to have a wee in here. We're fine. Yeah. And it was maybe 45 minutes into the hour session and she just wandered off and, and squatted and had a wee. And I had to spend the, the next 15 minutes of my class hoovering it and, and washing it and scrubbing it. And then <laughs> and then I had to send an, a, real, a really sad apology email. Uh, my dog's had a wee, I'm sorry. And then they were like, thanks for letting us know, uh, put £10 in this account. You still get the fine, even though you're yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um I think it's I think it's honesty based, but I think if you don't admit it, they can see on the camera anyway, so they yeah. And then you get banned. So yeah, you don't want that, do you? No. In the in the the, the working dog world, we have what we call a bun fine. <laughs> and if your dog pees in the training venue, wherever it is, or or fouls the training venue in some way, basically you're buying buns for us to handle us that day. Do you take buns every week just in case? No, my dog's cool. Yeah. Don't we? Surely Dennis has the odd. No, he's, he's more likely to have a poo. To be fair. <laughs> We've got his bowels sorted now, so that's that's helping. Um, but yeah, it, it is a generic bun find that we everywhere you go, it's like that. I so that yeah, you're right. Some that, people's that dog probably pays every doesn't... every time is like that. Min fetch them buns, mate. I yeah. like I like them with cream on top. Yeah. It depends on the venue, and it depends on because I find it's difficult. So, for example, my entire male lab Labrador cross. If I take him into pets at home. Even though he wouldn't pee in a regular shop, pets at home stinks of other dogs yeah. having accidents. <clears throat> and so, I mean, in fairness to him, I don't think he's ever had an accident in there, but it's because I'm so, well, so... You can see him go, ooh, yeah, just have a little... He'll have a little yeah. sniff up some side, and I can yeah. see the, like, you know, the sticky stains yeah, where, where someone's... Pee residue where somebody's had a little pee and walked off really quick. And then run away and not told yeah. anyone. So it's obviously was there. So have it, could smell it. And I go, oh, God, and I'll, I'll walk him back outside, let him pee against the post and then walk him back in again. But just think, places like that where it, it smells. It's, it's the end of the day, it's going to happen. Um, it happens, doesn't it? The dogs. The dogs, they have different know, roles to when your dogs, when your dog's seven... I know. <laughs> She's like, oh, it's Astrotur. This is yeah, where I go. This is where I go. Bloody and... Um, so yeah, and sort of like we said, tailored is the, the other thing that I got on the RSPCA list. Not necessarily tailored to you, but can they just give you a little bit of one-to-one from time to time if you're struggling? Does well, that's look... a class size problem. What do you? What do you? One, one of my things that I'd always do if I was looking for a trainer is try to go and view a class. I agree. I think if your trainer won't let you come and view a class, there's something your trainer's hiding until they've got your money. Well, if they see, say no, you can't come up I to... see no reason why you can't leave your dog at home. And I'm not talking about turn up with your dog and have a go, but turn up at, at a training venue. Go, yeah, pop down one night this week. We've got classes on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, whatever. Just pop down whenever you want. Come have a look. Open. Come have a look. Come and watch. I. Because. Yeah, I agree. You should then drop in and see the, the class for what it is. Whatever class it is, up to run. 
if the trainer's got a minute, come, yeah, we've got this, we're doing this with these puppies, or we're doing this with these reactive dogs or whatever. I'd, I'd always want to see a class being run before I took a dog along. Unless I got a good recommendation from a trusted friend mm -hmm. or somebody similar like that. I think I, I fully, fully agree. And I think that what's interesting is that now you've said it, I'm thinking about it. I don't think I've had any views. Have you not? No, I think people just... But we have, but I always, we, we always have a really in-depth chat first. Yeah. Um, which is nice. Yeah. But um, no, I haven't had anyone come view. I've had the odd, not for every class because it's not appropriate, but some of the more rolling classes have allowed people to come and just do like a one-off taster session. Yeah, that's, that's nice. But they have to it? pay for them, bring yeah. the dog. And, but yeah. if they're not bringing the dog, they just want to come watch, mm. then they'd be more than welcome. Yeah. Um, obviously, you've got to, I'm thinking about logistics of it. You couldn't have, you know, a whole, a whole fucking audience. Yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, I think if if you if you say to trainer, look, I'm thinking, I'm, I'm trying to choose a class locally. Hmm. I think that trainer, if you, if they said, can I come and watch, that'd be a big red flag for me. If they went, oh no, no, that's not suitable. Why not? I'm not stealing your ideas. I want one watch twenty. You're not going to go to for a whole class. You're going to go for ten minutes and watch for a bit. But if yeah. you get there and like it looks like chaos and there's dogs everywhere and there's you know rolled up newspapers and water squirters. You might be thinking, mm, maybe not for me. What? If you get down there and there's like a friendly class and there's yeah. people laughing and smiling and dogs having fun, yeah, it's that that that. I think the only I think the only them. way I wouldn't allow that. I'm trying to think if there would be a reason I would say no to somebody. I think the only way I wouldn't allow that is if it was day one of a new class's course. Yeah. I think I think day one is inappropriate to come view mm. i'm just trying to i'm just trying to be devil's advocate to be honest but um, even then I don't, I don't see it as a big problem to be fair i wouldn't have them there on day one because i would want to be able to concentrate on my new class fully for the full hour rather than field questions from an observer yeah i think if you're three or four weeks into a course and everybody's established and they understand and, and they know each other by this point and there's a nice mm. rapport you can set them off on an exercise and go chat to the yeah. person observing. But I think day one is a little bit more, I mean, I'm going to use the word chaotic. Day one, yeah. when it's all new students, none of the dogs know what they're doing. Yeah, but also none, of the, feet, none of the owners know yeah. what they're doing either. So it's always a little bit manic. Um, not manic, but you know. If when you talk to your potential new trainer and they said, so we're going to look at how to become a pack leader. <laughs> What would your response be? Would you choose that training, do you think? Uh, absolutely not, no. no. <laughs> me neither. Me neither. Yeah. Might, well, well, well. It, no, you know, you need to you need to lead your pack, though. Even if your pack is one. <laughs> and <laughs> Where are we going with this one? Now? Your dog needs to know that you're the boss, don't they? Because otherwise, they're going to end up ruling the house. Yeah. And then you're going to end yeah. up having sitting to send them out the to work. Back of the chair rather than sitting on the... I actually, you. speaking of that, cause it's Eating quite funny. Before, yeah. I so. used to I used to date a guy who, this is when I was younger, so... When you had time for when dating. I, when I had time for dating. <laughs> um, when I was much... We were like 16, 17, like this is young, young. Yeah. So we were both living with parents. So his parents had uh, two dogs and the two dogs were the love of her life more than the kids for sure and um <laughs> and uh so parenting if we were sat right <laughs> yeah yeah parenting done right um if we were sat on the sofa and the dogs came in and the dogs looked and wanted to get on the sofa and nobody moved she the mother would say 
move over, let the dogs on the sofa. And so a lot of the time we'd end up sat on the floor because the oh dogs my God. would get priority on the sofa, which which was funny at the time. And then... Oh, I mean, I mean, that's, were, that's, that is funny, but it's a bit weird, isn't it? It's worth pointing yeah. out that the dogs were wonderful. Just two really lovely, yeah. very, very spoiled Labradors. Yeah. Um, no, you know, it was fine. Well, they're Labradors and they, they tend to be lovely all the time, don't they? They weren't, they weren't like guarding anything. Cake, they weren't, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, really lovely example of why it doesn't matter if the dogs think that they're above you. Because <laughs> they were still yeah, nice. They were still nice dogs. <laughs> well, they just always got a sofa. They always got the sofa. What about um, in-person courses versus things like Zoom courses and, and online courses? Do you think they have a place? Oh. Now COVID's gone. Because obviously when COVID was on, Zoom courses were probably all you could get. I I think the the popularity in, in online courses and Zoom courses was wonderful through COVID. And I think it was probably a really, really massive positive to the industry because it makes training significantly more accessible. Yeah. To to, to random to yeah. random, you know, I think, people who are perhaps nervous to go. People who are perhaps incapable of going, they've got some kind of health issue or whatever. People who do shift work. Shift work, yeah. So they at least you're getting yeah. some training, aren't you, I suppose? You I, know, I think not, there's definitely something to be said for Something's better than nothing. Yeah. The the downside, so I guess pros and cons, I guess the cons of, of online training is um, it is absolutely in no way bespoke to your problem. Mm-hmm. And it can't be because the person who's created that video can't see what you're doing with your dog. Yeah. There's no, it's not, hey, try this exercise and then the trainer watches you. Unless yeah. you've got a really, um, really fancy online course where you send videos of your training. Yeah, some, some places do that, don't they? Where you can send that, videos down, cool. going and, and so on, get feedback on it. Yeah, yeah. but I think if you're going to do an online course, I mean, you've done online courses, yeah, yeah. right? And you've got benefit from yeah. that. I think yeah. they're good. I think, yeah. I'm, I'm, if I was if I was able and capable of attending a course with my new little dog or my rescue or whatever, I'd want to be in a course. I'd want to be there in person, in person. because I think you can learn more, you, especially if you get a good trainer that'll come and be a bit hands on with you and teach you how to do stuff, um, rather than just sort of standing at the front and telling you. It's also um, really easy to know but, the theory, but not yeah, not know it when you practically yeah turning turning theory into practice. If you're not experienced, it's tough. Um, but certainly. I think, like, say, if you're incapable for some reason, health, distance, mm. whatever, it's gonna be a. It's better than nothing, isn't it? Better than nothing. Yeah, it allows you. I've done. On, it, I've done online courses from from dog trainers that I really, really like and yeah. respect, and done online courses with them. Um, watch like presentations and things like that, and got an enormous value from those. Mm. But I've also done in person ones back when before covid when they yeah. were more, where they were more popular i suppose as well it also leads us to the the golden age of information where there's some actually really bad information out there how got to choose your courses carefully how do you find a good online course yeah. i tell you where you don't find them when the course costs 25 quid yeah <laughs> yeah and comes, it promises that you can be a dog trainer at the end yeah of it. 25 quid you can be a dog trainer at the end of it comes with a diploma signed by Nobody apart from them. Yeah. Yeah. What about residential courses? Are we talking about different styles of courses? Board and train. Hmm. There was a silence. Do you sense that silence, listeners? Um, I don't know any board and trains that I would trust. I don't think that that means that there aren't any. (laughs) But... I'm trying to think of of a board and train 
um, I'm trying to think in what world. I've never seen a board and train advertised as purely positive. I think Ever. I think a board and train because they charge so much because they it's also dog sitting, isn't it? Is that there's a certain pressure for those uh, courses to deliver yeah, back a trained to dog. deliver that dog, yeah. And so I think that aversives are very popular in that industry. Mm. Um, I think positive, positively trained board and trains do exist, but I don't think they're very popular because you can't make a difference in two weeks. No, <laughs> you, you can't, no, you, it, you can't change process, a dog's yeah. yeah, you can't change a dog's behavior, yeah. and this is why. This is why the style of training and maybe the understanding of what it is that you're embarking on when you take on training classes or training courses is so important. Can your trainer explain to you realistically what your time frame is for certain yeah. behaviours? If you want to send your dog to a boarding train to learn how to sit on a mat and maybe walk on a loose lead, you can probably train that in a couple of weeks at a board and train but then you deliver the dog back and then the dog will still do the behaviours that they were doing before for you because yes yeah, because you've got a little big handover period and a training retraining period between you because and the, the association the dog is yeah. yeah the association yeah. is when I'm with this person I behave like this oh it's mum again I can do this the plus as well is that if you actually attend the training class for an hour a week for six weeks you do build bond with your dog don't you you're doing stuff yeah. with your dog now don't matter what even if it's tricks I've, I've, obedience I've, yeah focus you're doing something with your dog which potentially you wouldn't do before you see so many people like walking on a street with a dog on a string on the phone dogs having a poo in the edge row and they don't even notice and there's no connection there's no there's no relationship mm. and then you take your dog to a class and class says oh yeah we're going to teach sit and next week we're going to teach down and you're looking halfway through the week going oh didn't teach down this week and my dog can't even sit. I best put some time in. Then all of a sudden your dog can sit and, and you're like, wow, this is really good. It's working. No shit, Sherlock. Um, and then all of a sudden you've gone, wow, he can do stuff. And then mm. you, you, I think for some people, probably a large percentage of people, suddenly you start going, this dog's pretty cool. I want to do more with it. I want to learn how to do more. I want to, I I think want to expand leads, what he can do. I think board and train is an, is a nod to a greater problem, which is people getting dogs without the time for them. Mm. So the rise in popularity of dog ownership um, it hasn't hasn't uh, changed at the same rate as the rise in people having the time or the or the know how or yeah. the inclination yeah. to actually do anything with their dogs. So it feels like a, almost a right that you should be able to own a dog. Mm -hmm. But then there's a, 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 not everybody, but there's a there's a percentage of people that both don't want to train them, walk them, or even learn what their needs are. Um, yeah. And so board and train is a way of saying I would like my dog to lay down or sit when I ask them to, but I haven't got the I haven't even got an hour a week for the next four weeks to learn yeah. that, so I'll send them to a board and train for them to do it for me. Unfortunately, and I, and you threw me off with that question because I wasn't expecting it, but I've decided <laughs> how I feel about board and trains, is training is not what can my dog do at the end of it, and it never should be. Training should always be what's your relationship with your dog, and if they can do stuff at the end of it, fantastic that's good yeah, yeah i like that that's good and so if and if you're sending your dog to a board and train i don't give a shit if your dog can do all that stuff because you're <laughs> lazy and or not lazy but you and your dog looks at you and goes I, I don't really know him i don't like i don't like it i don't like the idea of them now now that being said 
I have known a, a lady who did send her dog to a residential training um, and it was because her dog was so unbelievably reactive slash aggressive would as in because I think it's important we distinguish reactivity and aggression as well because reactivity is often not aggression but this dog was, would bite um, and she was so overwhelmed with where she was with him she sent him off to residential but it was a it was a rescue that would also take on dogs like that to help rehab them and they mm. had her dog for I think they had him for a couple of weeks at first then they messaged and said we want more time then they had a month then we want more time had him for two months and he did so well and she would I'd see videos um of, of what they were doing with him mm. and it was I've just remembered her yeah. but, um, I do think sometimes when you've got a, a dog that is reactive people can get overwhelmed by it can't they I think I think they, it was right it and was, so this her, is yeah. this is a point where I'm either sending him back to rescue or I'm sending him to a rescue because I can't cope yeah or you know I'm I'm overwhelmed I can't cope anymore well, she eventually got um, him back and uh and he was still reactive and this is where you know it's not been necessarily really poorly mm -hmm. done he was still reactive but he was significantly more manageable yeah. because he'd learned certain skills he'd learned certain coping skills so yeah i think of all that and so i'm taking it back what i said before i don't know any i think i, I was impressed with that one but that again the downside is he didn't come back in inverted commas fixed mm -hmm. he still had these issues but he was maybe at a point which was more manageable for her skill set yeah um so no they do exist um, yeah <clears throat> I'm, I'm never never 100 convinced on enough it's uh, it red flags me. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I'm gonna send Havoc off to one just. Uh, bring, yeah. Let's <laughs> put a camera on him, hidden camera. Um, <laughs> no, bless him. He'd absolutely fall apart. He's the right little softy. Um, so yeah, so red flags so far. The the sort of training board and train places. Um, talking about punishment in classes. Um, talking, talking about, about being an alpha rank and class and structure like that in classes alpha and so on and so forth there's no need for it Pack your dog leaders. needs to respond the, you know needs to respect you needs to respect needs you needs to respect can you can i just say on the respect thing i'm ranting a lot today yeah it's nice isn't it it's saving me a job isn't it <laughs> on on the word respect right soapbox go on there are a lot of maybe trainers that are more in the in the in the balanced way of, of thinking who uh say that the problem with forestry trainers is that we anthropomorphize dogs and we mm. treat them too much like humans or treat them too much like babies or children um and then they also then in the same breath say that their dog needs to respect them yeah which says now, hey has... you're a little person and i'm a big person look up to me and do us yeah i think there's nothing more <clears throat> anthropomorphic than yeah. expecting a dog I thought to that. Yeah, expecting a dog to show yeah. respect to to they've got the brain the size of a fucking walnut. Yeah. <laughs> they've got no concept of respect, and also your dogs have got no concept of right and wrong. They don't have a no. They've no dog don't go. I've eaten. I've eaten that mince pie for side. Oh, that's a bad thing. Oh God. He doesn't know it was bad. Know it's he knows it's great. Yeah, it's yeah. mince pie covered in cream is best thing ever. There's no moral compass. There's no. not right and wrong, and there's not good and evil, and so there's not respect and disrespect. There's just yeah. hey that works, and oh hey that doesn't yeah. work, and so to yeah. So if your trainer says that your dog needs to learn to respect you, or you need to be dominant of it, or you need to be the pack leader or the alpha, they unfortunately are stuck in the eighties, yeah. and they maybe need to read a more modern book, or maybe go to a class, or uh, the, get to the, a McDonald's. Well, maybe. maybe stop being in the industry altogether. <laughs> but the 
No, and there are some trainers that are more up to date with that stuff and don't use that jargon and maybe still train in ways that I wouldn't, but I still think that they're much, much better than people that use jargon like yeah, that. But if you're still throwing jargon out like that, then I don't think any trainer in the world, whatever your ethics, think that you're any good. <laughs> they, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, you, you can't both <laughs> anthropomorphize and then expect your dog not to, to respect you. Yeah. Anyway, a yeah. bit of a soapbox. Um, <laughs> so we've we've covered a few red flags. Um, Sorry. Green flags, no. Green, let's look at some green flags and things, yeah. What about, let's look at some more red flags, sorry, because I've, I've made a note and it's down here. Um, what about people who call themselves whisperers and communicators? How do you feel about that? Well. <laughs> I love throwing these out. It's saving me a lot of ranting this week, because normally it's me. I, so it's worth saying, I I don't know what's on your notes. So every time you throw Hell a question yeah. at me, um, I have to take a second. Yeah. Whisperers or communicators? Bothers me. Does it? Yeah. I. Because it's it, it makes out there's some kind of black magic or black art in it. It doesn't bother me because it's if it you know depending on who's saying it. I just think it's marketing. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. I, I think there's there are some people who are definitely really good with dogs. Yeah. Um, and I don't doubt some who are a bit that way inclined might call themselves a dog whisperer, but. There's definitely some people who just like really, really seem to connect with dogs. It's like, oh, why can't I do that? And my dog loves them. But I, I, I do think sometimes this dog whisperer and communicator or whatever is thrown like it's some kind of secret art. I and think, really, you can train no. a dog that's like dumb as a rock by throwing treats at it and asking it to do things at <laughs> an appropriate timing. I do look at it sometimes and think, really? You're a communicator, really? I have um, no, I have no yeah. problem with those terms. I think it, it, it's a term that bothers me in a way that pike leader rank and so on bother me as well. I think the only way it would bother me is if someone said that I'm a animal communicator, a dog communicator, or whisperer, um, and then didn't then follow up with. Uh, by the way, it's not a secret. I've just studied this a lot, and yeah, so yeah. it's more about. So for for me, because people will some well, you will have this where someone will see how their dog responds to you, and they'll go, "Oh my god, you're like a dog whisperer." And my sort of answer to that is always, "No, the only reason your dog seems to gravitate towards me is that I I represent clarity." Yeah, and I'm new. I'm, and no, I've got I'm both novel. I'm both novel. And I smell dogs. Yeah, but also yeah. when your dog. It tries yeah. to, you know. You see it all the time when, when you're in class, don't you? There'll be somebody who's got a dog and the dog won't behave for them. And the dog's used to them. The dog knows they're useless. Yeah. And then you rock up as a trainer with a bag full of treats. And you've usually got high value treats because you need to make it work and make yourself look like you know what you're doing. Yeah, imagine and, turning up with. Yeah. <laughs> and all of a sudden, their little dog's like, oh my God, this is the best person ever. And it's not magic. No. I think I think the whole whisper communicator thing relies on that. Oh, it's magic. God, look what they can do. It's not magic. Firstly, dogs like novel things. Dogs explore novel things in the environment. If you, I don't know, buy some random dog toy, throw it in the middle of a room, the dog will go, ooh, what's that? And go and have a look. And then not only have you got novel novelty about you, you've also got a bag full of really nice treats and you're going to wave them at this little dog and get him to do things and move around. And the dog's going to go, actually, this person is not moving him too fast. He's not moving him too slow. He's moving him just right. So it teases me because he's actually quite good at his art, you know, mm. not some black art. And then all of a sudden, that little dog goes, I like this person. It's cool. But, it's just a, it's but just three a weeks later, skill, yeah. Three weeks later, if that owner pays attention in class, they'll be doing that as well. Yeah. 
because their speed will be right and their motivation will be right and their movements will be right to inspire the dog and, and suddenly they'll be like, oh my God, my dog loves me too, not just you. And and it's not a black art. It's it's not, yeah, it's not magic. Um, Although sometimes you watch a really good trainer and think, Christ, that's magic. <laughs> so, but it's also... It's the way it's the way people move, isn't it? Sometimes you watch these videos of people of of, of really good trainers. Something's really good working yeah. their dog, and you go, "God, I wish they make I was, it look so easy." I wish I was that smooth. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm I honestly look like a Lego man having a seizure when I'm trying to train. <laughs> yeah, I know. And then, oh. then you see something else, and, and 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 you can see a dog turn on as well. Yeah. Dogs like oh, this is fantastic. You're like, yeah, that's what I need to be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we've talked about a few red flags. We'll not have any more. I'm just thinking, oh, unless I can think of something good. Um, one thing I find that most classes have got mm. is a socialisation aspect. Yeah. Ah, sharp intake of breath. What do we think, what do we think about socialisation in puppy classes and, like, you know, uh, older dog I'm gonna classes? I'm going to be really, really rubbish again, and I'm going to say it depends. Yeah, I, I agree. Can I can I give you yeah. my my... Breakdown well, of how my classes. That's kind of why we're into it, talking about dogs. We could just not. But then it's not much of a podcast, <laughs> is it? So yeah, you do that. I meant. I meant. It's a breakdown, <laughs> Sam. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> I didn't mean in general. I was gonna. I was gonna be really specific about my conversation. The podcast. What I cannot you? listen. I can only give my own opinions. Um, <laughs> there are. I, I run a variety of classes. Yeah. Uh, so puppy classes. Uh, there's like an adolescent. Um, like it's for it's for kind of naughty dogs, but not naughty as in reactive, but just like don't really yeah. listen. Lunge towards other dogs, yeah. excited. Cheeky giddy. monkeys. Cheeky monkey class, yeah. yeah. Um, and then I've also got specific skill classes, so I've got a couple of those as well. Um, in my skill based classes, uh, there is no socialization. Yeah. Permitted, uh, because that's not why they're there. But in the in the cheeky monkey class and the the baby class, there is socialization permitted because that's why those people want to be there because yeah. that's what they want to teach. Yeah. So it you know I think is it free for all? You just like unclip them and let them play. Oh, of course, no. <laughs> First of all, no, because my field's not secure and there <laughs> yeah. are horses in the field yeah. next to us, uh, which is a great socialization. And big dogs. Oh, honestly, yeah. when the horses walk past and all the dogs go, what the hell? Um, but um. No, it's not a free-for-all. I think a major red flag in uh, socialisation is let the dogs all off the lead and hope yeah. for the best. I hope you'd say that because that was kind of weird. <laughs> but equally, I don't think on-lead socialisation is very healthy. Do, do you? Know, you? Do you know what I think is not particularly healthy? Socialising puppies with all the puppies. I agree. And this is always bloody done, and we've we've done it ourselves. We do it ourselves because you've got a class of eight puppies, so it's really easy to socialise eight puppies with eight puppies because they're all there. Very friendly. But the minute you leave that class, the next dog you encounter is going to be an adult dog. Yeah. And the nine times out of ten, it's going to be a grown-up dog. It's not going to be another puppy, then another puppy, then another puppy. And puppies play differently. They're rude. They 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 daft. They they roly poly, and. Socialising your dog with a well-socialised, well-behaved adult dog, I think, is so much more important. But it rarely happens because there's not a supply of adult dogs at puppy class. No. I, I, Which is a shame. Really. Weirdly, must be a full moon tonight. I agree. Um, but Hang on, let me just make a note of that. Yeah, yeah, I agree with I've you. agreed on something, yeah. Because I still run puppy classes, 
and we socialise the puppies with puppies. Yeah. But, and, and not to toot my own horn, but one of the weeks uh, I took Roxy down. Yeah. And everyone got a go at teaching their puppy how to, um, first of all, be around her. Mm. She's a big dog. She's a big dog. Puppies but... quite often look at her and go, oh, my God. Oh, look how big. Yeah. Also, remember, uh, Roxy's not a huge fan of puppies. Mm. So, um, but she's not, <laughs> but she's not aggressive about it. She's just, she's yeah. just got a bit of disdain for them, mm. um, if if you can use that word for her. So she she wouldn't actively choose to socialise. So it was more a case of, uh, I want you to practice approaching a person with an adult yeah. dog who isn't interested in your puppy. How are you going to handle your puppy? Which, if we think, if you go back about ninety-seven episodes, yeah. We talked about um, generalisation, mm. socialisation, yeah. and actually said, actually, we don't want them to be social. We don't want them to this. We just want them to be aware and cope. Yeah. Can it's your not, puppy look at Oh, my at God, my dog needs to go up and play with that big dog. Yeah. No, my, my puppy needs to go up and go, you're all right. And big dog goes, yeah, bugger off. And the puppy goes, okay. Or even if they have a little sniff, and, little, and then yeah. the adult dog kind of looks away and is, uh, dis, yeah. you know, disinterested, yeah. which which Roxy basically is. Learning social skills rather yeah. than just a big pile of frothing puppies. If if all you've got is frothing puppies, a controlled socialisation class is mm. good. It's the best you can get. Um, but it's a really where possible hard one if you've got access not... to adult dogs that have behaved. Access to access to adult dogs in those types of classes are really difficult really, yeah. because you, cool. you know, pardon. But cool. It's useful if you can mm. if your trainer can provide you with one. Um, if your dog, if your pup, if your new puppy does have a bit of a, a socialization issue, so maybe they are a bit too full on, like maybe more so than normal, or maybe they're quite nervous. I would probably say that socialization in a puppy class is not the right answer for you. Mm. I think if you if your pup is either end of the spectrum, so either way too full on or or way too nervy, your best bet for socialization is probably one to one training. With, yeah. a, with a trainer who can provide a, a yeah. good, solid adult dog um, yeah. to teach you how to, to bring your, your pup, uh, to kind of bring your pup to the right kind of And get your pup level. into some venues as well, some areas. Yeah. Not just that same puppy class where they all go, on, oh, I love it here. And yeah. then you get them out to the street and the dog goes, I've but I do that. think I've it's got like, that here. Yeah, oh, grief. Small caveat to that, though. I think for most puppies, the level of socialisation they get in puppy classes, as well as the dogs that they get to meet on their normal walks, is probably perfectly adequate. Yeah. You know, most most dogs. Well, not are, a free for all. Not a free for all. But yeah, it's not it's not the end of the world. It's yeah. only if you've got a pup on the extreme. Yeah. On the extreme, really. One one pup learns to bully the other pups, and one pup learns to hide in the corner, whereas the other pups all sit in the middle and have good time. Yeah, you want to yeah. be careful about how. Essentially, if you're going to do socialisation in class, ask your trainer what that looks like to them mm. and make sure it's not just we just let them play and figure it out so we've already mentioned a little bit um both the training courses that some dog trainers have been on and the golden age of technology mm. i think about these these training courses that are like a four-day course and you're a dog trainer <laughs> Awful. people need to do, do your research, go on that person's website. They've either got a Facebook page or they've got a website. I mean, everybody's got one now. Mm. And find out what course they claim to have done and what find out what certificate they, can, they claim to have. And research it. Find out who it is. This find out how you get it. Slightly off topic. Well, it's not. It's exactly... And also, I guess, do you need to be qualified? I know some cracking trainers who have never done a qualification in their life. But well, they're bloody good. Well... Better than me. And I have. <laughs> 
I I would say one of, so one of the things I don't like about a lot of the online courses because I've done a couple just to just to see what they are is that I haven't done one of these like little couple of day courses ever that hasn't had the first module be entirely about wolves. <laughs> <laughs> That's another red flag, folks. If, if your <laughs> you know trainer I mean? starts banging on about wolves and wolf packs, just just especially as well if they've got one of those like, knitted jumpers on with like a wolf on the front. No, they're cool. Don't, no, no shut up. They're cool. um, walk away. Yeah. No, genuinely. Have you ever done one that doesn't have the first module? No, I've never done one like us like that. Ever. Oh, every never. single one has always got the <laughs> yeah. first module is, in order to understand the dog, you have to first understand wolves. Yeah. And you think, oh, God. So then the reason I very, I have, I, <laughs> I've started quite a few of these and never finished most of them because yeah. I can't build, I can't bring myself to get through the first module, which is understanding <laughs> wolves. Yeah. And I just, if I have to talk about pack hierarchy for, for any amount of you know even like a short essay on this pack hierarchy i'm gonna honestly kill somebody kill somebody it, and they're all yeah. that i'm doing one at the moment to be fair i've been doing it for two years because i signed up in the first module was wolves and i've just stayed on wolves because i just <laughs> couldn't bring myself to get through it i won't name the organization but oh. but the the organization is probably one that would have quite a good reputation and it's really? annoying because the first module is about wolves and I'm looking at it thinking, oh why? God, write it down. Who is it? Tell me. I won't say it. I won't say it, but write it down and tell me. Do you know them? I've heard of them, yeah. Yeah, and they charge a pretty penny for it. Do they? That's the most it's the most money I've ever spent on a course. Really? And it's talking about just wolves. to have the just to have the um certification. Um and I'm a bit annoyed about it to be honest. Um but I will eventually submit my essay on wolves and move on to module two. Yeah. <laughs> you know it is. It's they're not. You know. Yeah. You would think that anyway. <laughs> it's not. Yeah, I'm disappointed. Nah. Uh, yeah, it's isn't it disappointing. Um, we've got to understand. Well, you can be a trainer in you know a few weeks, so you'll be all right. Got to understand the wolf pack. You'll be a, you'll be a qualified trainer before you know it. Um, well, well, also it's worth pointing out that in terms of qualifications to be a dog trainer, is there isn't one. There's none. There's no. There's no requirements there's no licensing there's no laws there's no laws there's no which again yeah. is a good reason to say hey can i come and see your class can i come and see if it if it, it settles nicely with me if it fits in my my ethics recommendations recommendations from friends god just get recommendations from people you trust who've already been there read the reviews if yeah. you don't have anyone who can i'm not recommend. a big i'm not a big believer in reviews because i know so many people who've pissed somebody off and then the person they've pissed off as a review bombed them with one star reviews again oh, and again really? and again. Oh, it happens loads, doesn't it? That's um, upsetting. Yeah, I've heard that happen numerous times in dog world because it's a bit cutthroat and we're all name calling each other and got our little. Can't you, don't you think you can discern uh, a fake one star from. You, you probably can, but when you just look at there, I'll just click on the reviews. Oh, two and a half stars. I'm not going there. No, I don't think. Um, I don't think yeah. people are going to sit there and review, read all the reviews and go, "Oh, I didn't say that guy." Is yeah, you know, I've heard of people who if, people have never been in class and left a one star review. Oh right. And that's grim because then your your star rating goes down. You, if somebody does that, you look a bit crap. Yet, just because you you've upset somebody or you've had a stance on something they didn't like. Oh, I'm just not tech savvy um, to notice this stuff. But but yeah, I think people that have got a similar mindset to you mm. talk to them. Where do you take your dog? Where do you where where have you 
How many, how many times do I recommend you, for example? And now you train. People oh, pop cheers. up on one of their Facebook pages and go, oh, I'm looking for a trainer. Yeah. Yeah, I a chat to Sam because she's nice. Even though I a chat to our old employer because he's nice. Yeah. He's a decent trainer. He was a decent training school. Um, you know, things like that. I think just talk to people who've got a nice dog. Even if you're out, you know, if you're walking through a field and there's somebody with a really nicely well-behaved dog mm. and they seem to be looking after it and they're not yanking it about or yelling at it and... And say, well, your dog's good. Where do you where do you train? Do you take him to training? They're like, yeah, yeah, take him to training. Where, where do you go? I tell you what, chat with people. If you see me walking my dogs, <laughs> don't, don't don't assume I'm a trainer. Because yeah. no, I'm joking. But um, <clears throat> hey, I've got I've got a question for you. Go on then. I know this is going to be a no. It's going to be. I'll tell you. Ask me a question. You, you don't, go and on. it won't be what you think it is. No, you're not. Um, is your dog ever too old? Oh, it's not. No. No, it's not. Why? Definitely not. We're never too old to learn. But my things. dog's, you know, you can't teach an old dog good tricks. Of course you can. I don't try and teach, we try and teach Roxy to do some assembly. <laughs> yes, it's a, teach Roxy not to be scared of fireworks. Yeah. Yeah, don't, don't ever listen to anyone who says that old dog new tricks thing because it's garbage. It's garbage. Again, though. Unless you've got a dog that's like in, you know, approaching sort of. 17. Dementia and, you know, struggling to walk. And, and incontinent, which is probably not you know a good place to start with a training course. But you get people who've got like a rescue that's like eight nine years old, and they go, "Oh look, good prime example." One of my friends that I work with, um, I think her dog's thirteen. I want to say mm. at a border collie, and they've just retired him from some work competition, and she hoped she didn't quite. I think she didn't quite make the grade, mm. um, but she hoped that it was going to like win out in his class or something. Um, and he didn't quite make it, but they were doing competitions right up to the very, very end where she went, he's getting a bit infirm, a bit wobbly now. We'll call it quits. Mm-hmm. Um, here we go. So proud of my boy, 13 and a half years old, and on the very last day of the league, 31st December, he got robbed of overall winner by only a few points. Wow, at 13. 13 a bit. They're never too old, you know. And especially if it's a dog... That perhaps you've just got there's an older dog that's a rescue or whatever or a, you know an imported dog. Bill Bond, that eight year old. If you if you just got Roxy today, yeah, how old's Roxy? She's would, eight. Yeah, you try to pretend she's only about three, don't you? But she's older. She might. And, you think she might be nine, but yeah. I think she might be. Six. What even eight or <laughs> even eight or nine? <laughs> if you'd only adopt her today, mm. there's what, so much you could do so with it. What her. brilliant place to start training. Yeah. You know, maybe it might not be a class. It might be a class. You might get a few one-to-ones. And actually, yeah, she'll fit into that class. Or you might want to scent work or teach her a few tricks or mm. some kind of bond-building exercise like that. Yeah, never say no, Never say you're too old. I tell, you, people. Why, I tell you why that's... I think there's too many people who go, oh, I'm too old for that now. And you go, oh, yeah. you're not. Have a go. Have a crack. Do you know, it's you my know? my uncle, uh, he's passed away now, um, but my, my great-uncle, sorry. So he was when he was in his 60s or 70s, um, maybe 70s because it was after he'd retired he decided to start collecting degrees really and when he That's finally cool. yeah and when he finally passed away I think he was in his 80s maybe like, I can't remember exactly how old he was he had four degrees uh, oh, he got a degree. He got a degree in Russian, and he'd got a pen pal in Russia that he was writing to, and then he got another degree in economics, and he got one, and it, just because he was, yeah, he was like, right, well, that's mint. That's that's yeah, yeah. yeah that demonstration. He was he was it? an interesting man, but um, but yeah, that was it. That's what he decided to do with his hobbies. Yeah. Um. No, what I was gonna 
say is that when we talk about how old is too old for training, again, it's it, it makes you ask the question, what is training? What is the, what is the training for? And I think the reason why there's no such thing as too old for training is that, like you said, with that old rescue dog that uh, has maybe never done anything, is it's so wonderful for um, enriching their lives. Yeah. It, it's not about what can I learn at the end, although having them achieve something at the end is great. Yeah. But it's not necessarily about what they can do at the end. It's how you got there, and it's the it's the the fun that they have getting there, and the bond that you're building. Yeah, you learning so. learning new stuff, discovering new skills that they can do. I always find with dogs. As well, it's something I've, I've said for years. Um, dogs learn to learn. Mm. If you get a dog blank canvas, maybe you've had it from a puppy, but you've done nothing with it, and it's 12 months old, 18 months old, it's a bit of an arsehole. Or you've got a rescue dog that's just somebody's just had sat in the lounge and fed it on biscuits and mm. hoped it'd get fat and shut up and stop barking custard creams. Um, and you start training. Mm. And for the first few weeks, it's like <sighs> blank stares. We've got like, what, what do you want me to do? I don't get it. And then Especially if you're looking at, say, marker training, and certainly if you're not looking at operant training, which we've spoken about before, where the dog has to think for itself, you're not showing it what to do. And all of a sudden, the dog goes, what, like this? And you go, yeah, that's it, click, have a reward, yeah. And you can see that moment that dog goes, holy crap. So I I think of things to do, and if I get the right one, I like a hot or cold game. You give me a reward. Oh, my God, game on. And all of a sudden, that dog starts to learn to learn. And that, that first few weeks, it's really steady and tentative. And then first next month, it's us. And then six months on, your dog's like a little learning machine. And he, mm. he's going like, I want to learn more. Don't stop taking me to classes now. I want to do some more stuff. Um, I love and I see that a lot with dogs. They'll, they'll learn to learn. You start to teach them something and they just go, God. It goes that way. With, I mean, you said like operating, but as in like with shaping. I do a lot of shaping games with with lots of nervous clients yeah uh, nervous dogs <laughs> yeah, nervous clients <laughs> nervous dogs of clients yeah they're also sometimes nervous but um the we do a lot of shaping with these dogs and when you first introduce shaping to a dog that's a bit nervy the idea yeah. is that they offer behaviors and they get rewarded for it and the dog will offer precisely zero yeah behaviors yeah but then when they start to, so you normal, normally with those sorts of dogs, they do uh, start with luring first and then move into shaping just because yeah. they, they're not going to get it. Um, but I'd give you a really great example of a, of a really fun game I love playing uh, in that sense is the cardboard box game where you reward your dog. This is once they understand how to learn. Yeah, yeah. Reward your dog every time they offer something new. So, for example, if you put the box on the floor and the dog looks at the box you reward it. Yeah. Now looking at it doesn't work. So they look at the box again and then sniff it, yes. Now sniffing also doesn't work. Yeah. And so they nudge it, yes. Now nudging it doesn't work. And so they <laughs> nudge it, look at it again, nudge it, and then pour yeah. at it. Pouring, Pouring works. works. Well, done. well, now it doesn't work anymore. Yeah. yeah. So all of a sudden they've got to ramp up, do, do more and more things in more, inter stuff, more yeah. interaction. Well, I did this with Roxy once, um, only for like two minutes. And by the end of the two minute session, she would run to the box, pick it up, and throw it across the room. Yeah. And then run back to me for the treat. And, yeah. she, and then she was like, Right, what else can I've I do? I've interacted with it, yeah. Yeah. I used, when I did my degree, one of the guys um, that, that was on the course, he did a lot of free shaping with his yeah, dog. Yeah, yeah. And he had, a, he had a way to free shape. He used to have a little stool, I think it was like a little folding stool. And he'd sit down on his stool and he'd pull out his treat bag and he'd pull out his clicker. But his dog had done it for. You know, yeah. a few years now, and it knew. 
And so he'd get his little stool out and he'd sit down and get his treat bag out. And this dog, would, he was a Springer, and he'd start doing stuff. <laughs> it'd do any kind of stuff. It'd off the paws, it'd sit up and beg, it'd roll over. It'd do all the behaviours it had done previously. And he'd say, they exhaust him. He's like, oh, crap, I've not had a click yet. Right, new stuff. And then it's to start, if you put something down, it's to interact with it in different ways. And you can see a dog just went, right, stool, treat bag, yeah, game on. Right, what's going to get me that reward? Hot or cold? And, yeah, and it was just it was magical to watch because you could see this dog go, oh, brilliant, we're playing that game again. Cool, yeah. yeah. And interaction happened and it was... It's just went. so nice for watching the, the confidence that it takes to offer new behaviours yeah. without the worry that if they get it wrong yeah get, there's going to be a problem it's or going to be a hit or, or whatever yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah it's yeah. nice that took a detour didn't it, it? didn't it <laughs> so we, word of mouth that's always good um, yeah try to visit a class that's always good um, <coughs> vet recommendations what do you reckon to that um, that can be good it can be a good way uh, of getting knowledge of your local trainer don't necessarily think it's uh the be all and end all because i think sometimes trainers will contact vets and say will you advertise me yeah um yeah and that's great uh if that trainer's done that if the vet kind of does their due due diligence yes um but if but i mean and i think most vets would but yeah i don't think it's the only factor that you should consider if your vet is recommending a trainer that's fantastic because that vet obviously yeah uses it's, that person yeah and he's trying to push training which is good yeah and it's trying to push training but yeah not necessarily the only factor what about the trainer's dog oh now I don't think I don't know if this is controversial or not I don't think your dog trainer's dog needs to be brilliant at anything but I do think that your dog trainer should be happy to speak to you about their dog's level of training. You know, I thought exactly the same thing. That, that dog trainer might have had a fantastic dog that died yesterday. They just picked another rescue up from the kennels today. Yeah. Um, so you can't really... Re but, like you say, if you're happy to sit down and go, right, do you have a dog then? You know, chance your training. See if it mm. fit your, your lifestyle or your ethos. But if you're, yeah, I've got a dog, yeah, what, what do you do with it? And if you say, oh, my God, I'm, I'm like, you know, three years down, Sentwork UK, yeah. nosework competitions, or I'm like level grade seven agility or whatever, or fly ball or something. But, yeah. you know, fair play. But if they're, if they're just like, well, I've got this dog, yeah, and he's, he's got a few issues and we're working through them, or we've not had him long, or, yeah, he's just a cool, chilled dog. He just comes to class with me and sits in a corner. Yeah, he's never done fly ball. He's never done agility. Not really bothered. But, but having that ability to have a conversation and talk knowledgeably about where they are with their dog, I think that's quite important. Yeah. If you've got a dog at all, they might not have a dog. What do you think about dog trainers that don't have dogs? Well, they might be between dogs for a number of years. I don't know. Um, I, I think there's probably... Oh, I'm being careful. I think there's probably an understandable... Um, transition time if if you've lost a dog yeah and if you're a single dog person uh, which a lot of trainers are and that's yeah. fine you know when train when when certain dog trainers have got like seven or eight dogs like you uh i think that's <laughs> mental i genuinely i i would comfortably be i love that i've got two but i would also be comfortable with one yeah me too sometimes i think if one passed and that i think there's a reasonable transition time but i think if if you're a trainer and you've not had a dog for a few years I think that's it's a bit unusual, isn't it? Really, I think that's really weird. I think suddenly you're doing it as a 
a living as a as opposed to a bit of a passion. I think train, um, yeah, I think train it. But then I don't know, I don't know. It's you can't say for definite, but it's a, it's a, um, it's an amber flag, me. It is an amber flag. Amber flag, not a green or a red. But I've got, you know, got a dog. If you go, no, I've never, I've never had a dog. <laughs> like, what on earth? But there, you know, yeah. you could still be good at your craft. You could right? be, you could be really good. Um, and again, interview chat one. So, just a quick round-up. Round-up. So, what if you're... Mick, three things. Three things that you would look for in a class. Number one. Green flags. Uh, does your trainer uh, use rewards in class? Yep, that's a good one. Number, like two, number two. Uh, does Is the class suitable for your goals? Yep, so does it meet what your expectations are and fit your mental image of what a class looks like, maybe? Yep. Yeah. So if if you yeah. want to, if you want to teach your dog to loose lead, uh, don't go to a reactivity class. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's good advice. Uh, number three is uh, the is the trainer that you're going to train with uh, approachable, and will they talk to you about what uh, how they train? Will they talk to you about their training? If they refuse to have a conversation with you, full stop, unless you've paid them money, then I think that's a bit of a red flag. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's my good. three. Yeah. What are your three red flags? My three red flags. Any trainer that starts a conversation off talking about um, rank and things of that nature, like dominance, rank, leadership, dominating your dog, um, that's a big no-no. Because even even train, we've been talking about positive trainers. Even most trainers that I know of that like use tools and aversives don't look at rank and leadership anymore. It's just so old. Um, trainers that wouldn't let you go and see a class. Trainers that aren't willing to let you go and have a look at their class. Yeah. Yeah, they might ask you to choose a particular one because they might think, actually, my reactive class is not going to be that impressive because you don't know what you're looking at. Mm. Um, it's possibly making great grounds, but, you know, to the outward observer, it might look a bit bit dodgy. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's two. The third one, God, what would I choose? Um, anybody who offers a guarantee, anyone offers Good. a guarantee on their work, oh, it's going to, yeah, yeah, we'll offer a guarantee when, we, when your dog will be fixed or your dog loosely will be perfect, whatever. Um, because it's really hard to do that, and it's always a work in progress having a dog and training a dog. It's uh, never fixed as such, it's never trained as such. We, we asked when it when was uh, one of the subjects we're talking about doing for future episodes when was when. Is training trained, mm. which will be coming up soon. I get on down if we can think of something to do with it. Um, well, you've just answered the question. But yeah, <laughs> when is training trained? You know, we're not. Penny off the guarantee. 
No, you can't offer a guarantee. No, I I love that one. And it's not imprinted forever. It's not fixed forever. Mm. You know, you don't want loose lead forever because you've just trained it this week. Because if you don't maintain that training, in the month's time, your dog will be like, actually, I like pulling. It's really good fun. Yeah. Yeah, no, no guarantees, no leadership and pack yeah. theories. And... Uh, yeah. Someone who lets you go watch. Someone will let you, let you get in and have a chat. and Not watch involved. a full course and get it for free. No. But, but, but be, involved, yeah. be involved in a class for 10 minutes, 15 minutes. And go yeah, and let you pop down for do. like the, yeah. you know, the first 10. Um, yeah. I am happy with that. I think yeah. I, I've ranted more than I ever thought been good antics, possible yeah. there. Yeah, you're getting you some black marks. Yeah. I didn't insult anyone. Not yet, no. I didn't give any names. I didn't give, <laughs> I didn't give <laughs> any... <laughs> so, yeah, that's it, folks. Um... If you've got a new puppy this Christmas or you've got a dog that you're thinking, oh, new year, new me, new dog and all that kind of stuff, um, go for it. Get some training. Find a trainer that fits your mindset, fits your lifestyle, does what you want to get out of your dog. Go and train. Make your dog a better dog. Make sure it's fun. Yeah. That's fun. Fantastic. Bye. So that's it for another episode. Ian, if anyone wants to get in touch with you, where can we where can we contact you? Um, they can find me, uh, email me, ian at kaylinsolution.com or anywhere on Facebook. I'm on Facebook. We've got Kayline Solution on Facebook. We've got Havoc and Chaos on Facebook. We've got Havoc and Chaos on Instagram. Um, and if you look at the Canine Soul on TikTok, you can see some of the videos and stuff that we post on there with the Havoc and Chaos theme. What about you, Sam? If you want to get in contact, you can email me at fetchclubinfo at gmail.com or you can find me at fetchclubofficial.co.uk. I'm also fetchclubofficial on Instagram and Facebook. Awesome. Thanks. That's a wrap. That is a wrap. Bye, guys.